0: Welcome to the Z-Ball Podcast. Uh, we've got a lot of stuff going on in the NBA. Uh, Kyrie, LeBron drama, Carmelo still without a team. And uh, last week, uh, OJ Simpson got pearled. Uh, so I on my last podcast, I promised I'd kind of be gone for about a month until unless something imminent happens and that thing has come along with the Kyrie uh, trade demand. All right, on the line, joining me from Pasadena, California, Uh, Needs no introduction. Diehard Boston Celtics fan, Akshay. What up, dog? How's it going?
1: What's up, Z Shops? It's going pretty well, bro. You know, um, just been hanging in there. But good to be back, you know. back in the game, dog.
0: (laughs) Good to have you back. Uh, I think it's been about a month since we talked to you. Uh, Kind of a a lot of stuff, like I said, to get into. But uh, let's start off first with. the Kyrie LeBron drama, the Kyrie uh, trade demands. Uh, just kind of uh, take me back to when you first heard about it. Uh, what were the first thoughts going through your mind?
1: You know, I was shocked. You know, I mean, I heard about it this lot. Like last week, I think it's been like maybe a week and a half at most with this whole demand thing, how, uh, how Kyrie all, all of a sudden says, you know what, I want out out of Cleveland, you know, and then... Kind of shocked me because I thought, you know what, he's been to the finals what for the last three years with Cleveland with LeBron. Why would he want out? You know, unless he knew something that we all don't know. But that's what I'm thinking here. See, and then uh, then all came up with the recent news that he doesn't want to be under LeBron's shadow. He doesn't want to be considered LeBron's son, so to speak. So I think he wants to do his own thing. And so it kind of shocked me. Uh, to be honest, you know, I mean, I didn't expect this to come from him, especially with Cleveland, and I don't know if it has anything to do with uh, speculation of LeBron possibly leaving next year and then the general manager getting let go, you know, so could be a whole lot of uh, change in, in Cleveland coming soon.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think the only way it's uh, reasonable is if Kyrie just thinks to himself, the only way he can maybe justify it is, LeBron's leaving anyways next season, I should just get a head start on him, uh, go try out a, a new team for a couple seasons, and then see where my options are when I'm a free agent in 2019. But other than that, I, I don't think he can really justify it. When I, I heard about this last Friday, the first time, I, that, I think that's the first time it, it was reported it came out, we're taping this on a Friday night, uh, July 28th, the uh, first thing running through my mind, I'm like, how the fuck do you not want to play with LeBron? I mean, he's the most team-centric exactly. most team-centric guy, I mean, maybe in NBA history. I mean, he makes teammates better. I mean, he's always <laughs> whenever he's on the floor, <laughs> I mean, he's al- he's always making his team better. So, was, I was just baffled by the <laughs> the allegation, I mean, or the demand of a trade from Kyrie, but I mean, I could kind of see it. I mean, he's kind of uh like he said had that mamba mentality. And Kobe kind of did a similar thing back in two thousand four when him and Shaq were butted heads. So I could kind of see it from that angle. But I mean, it's really, it's really baffling to me that uh, uh, someone that someone doesn't want to play along. LeBron James. I mean, I think he's in for a rude awakening uh, if he wants to be kind of the number one alpha on his team. I mean, kind of similar to his first three or four seasons of his career, where Cleveland was absolute dumpster fire i mean uh, ultimately i mean with that being said what what do you think the teams are out there that he can possibly land at if cleveland does d- deal him and i mean what do you think would be the best fit for him i mean to kind of get what he wants and also be kind of a successful playoff team
1: you know quite honestly there's a lot of uh things i'm hearing you know um I'm hearing, I'm reading, you know, there's a lot of uh, teams that that might be interested. There's a lot of maybe fake news out there about other teams being interested. You know, I mean, um, from what I'm uh, hearing, uh, I'm reading is like possible destinations you have Minnesota who might be willing to send a package over uh, to get him because what uh, Minnesota had, um, just picked up... Uh, um, a guy from Chicago, and then he picked up. They made a trade for someone else, so they're trying. I mean, a uh, Butler from Chicago, so so that's an option. You know, I think he'll he he might be uh, a, a good fit there. But then again, it's up to Kyrie. You know, it's um, he has to realize that if he goes to another team, he, he's not going to be the alpha guy there. He's going to be like uh, maybe one um, A, or he could be the second player on that team, or the third option. You know, and I think that's what he needs to do. You know, um, I mean, besides uh, in Minnesota, I mean, there's, there's always talk about um, him being interested in the Knicks. You know, uh, the last couple of days they were saying that he desperately wants to go to the Knicks. Uh, but if he goes to the Knicks, I can see him playing a role there. You know, a definite role, because the Knicks really need a, someone to play along with uh, 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 a Peringus who's an who's a very up-and-coming player, and I think that's be a, a possible destination for him. But the proper but the issue is, what do the Knicks, uh, the Knicks, give back to the Cat? You know, I don't. Besides Melo, I don't see any other option. Maybe some picks, but I, I don't know what picks they have coming up. Um, b- besides that, I could see um, another team is um, is the Spurs. You know, which I like it. Uh, which I think is actually a, a good fit for him if he's willing to play in a team environment. You know, I mean, the Spurs can easily give up a, a package of uh, um, LaMarcus Allridge, uh, I think it's uh, Deontay Murray, and a pick. You know, and the Cavs get a, a capable uh, power forward. You know, they also get a up-and-coming um, point guard, and they get a pick. You know, and the and um, the Spurs will get um, Kyrie, which he can play with uh, Kawhi Leonard. You know, and uh, that could be a definite um, a powerhouse there. You know, I mean, uh, that's what I'm seeing. Or, I mean, another team is Phoenix, but I we don't know what Phoenix would give up to get him. And there's always talk about the Celtics and all these rumors going around that the Celtics might make an offer, but. Honestly, I don't see that even happening because um, with Kyrie, like you mentioned, uh, he, he'll be there for about two years, and then uh, that's pretty much it. And then 2019, he's free agent. So it's like you're getting a guy that eventually might bolt in two years. So are you uh, willing to give up all this just for a guy who might not mesh with your team and might bolt in... Uh, in 2019,
0: right? Yeah, I mean, he's, he has a player option in 2019, and it's most—he's most likely not going to pick that up, and uh, he's going to opt out of that most likely. But like you said, I mean, there's kind of let's kind of go over the teams that we kind of mentioned uh, that are kind of interested in him or he has interest in. I mean, you mentioned Minnesota. Obviously, he has a strong desire to play in New York, uh, being from growing up in North Jersey. That's kind of his hometown. So he has a really strong desire for some reason to play in New York. Then uh, I think my I've heard Miami as, a, as an option, San Antonio, like you mentioned. And then Phoenix has emerged as an option because uh, they have uh, Josh Jackson, who LeBron is very intrigued in, and they also have Eric Bledsoe, who LeBron is actually currently working out with in Las Vegas, along with Derrick Rose. So uh, let's kind of go over some of these options. I mean, at first, I mean, let's start with Minnesota. I mean, Minnesota with the new identity with Tom Thibodeau, young kind of youth movement. I mean, him going there, I mean, he'd probably be the best player right away. I mean, you could argue Towns would might be the best player. But I mean, going to Minnesota, playing alongside Tom Thibodeau, he's never played any elite-level defense in his career up to this point. And Tom Thibodeau is a coach that kind of really stresses defense, really focuses, hones in on that. So, I mean, kind of what do you see from Minnesota? I mean, do you see that as a legitimate destination for him or not?
1: You know, you nailed it on the dot, dog. You know, you said about his defense, and that especially Tom Thibodeau, he's a defensive-minded guy. You know, and and he's going to bring a whole new defense to that team. You know, so I I don't think it's... uh, I think it's an option, you know, because Tom Thibodeau wants to make a run in the Western Conference. I think he needs, um, I think he, he, he's looking for elite talent. So I can definitely see it as an option. Whether that's a long-term fit, I don't think so for him. You know, I think that in two years, uh, I can definitely see him. Maybe um, in two years, in 2019, he's going to vote somewhere else if he goes to Minnesota. Unless they possibly maybe um, get to the finals, I would think.
0: Another thing with uh, the Minnesota and the Tom Thibodeau thing, Tom Thibodeau is a coach that has been known to kind of burn out his players, his star players, play them uh, a ton of minutes, a shitload of minutes. And Kyrie, as we all know, is a very injury-prone player, as we've seen in these past uh, four seasons or so in the playoffs. I mean, the Clavs are always scared when he, he he rolls an ankle hair there they're always Cavs fans are always holding their breath so if he goes to Minnesota he's going to be absolutely worked and practiced uh worked on it on the defensive end I mean Tom Thibodeau is going to expect him to play big tight minutes 38 39 minutes a game and I don't know if that's really suitable for Kyrie and it's pretty much a, a, a rebuilding team I mean they're not they're going to be a lot better this season with the pickup of jimmy butler don't get me wrong but they still have long ways to go in the western conference which at this point is dominated by golden state at the top and then san antonio after that so i mean there's a lot of hills to climb even there and then he's not going to be the man guaranteed i mean carl's town carl anthony towns excuse me you could argue is probably the best player even if he goes there so a lot of hurdles uh I mean, regarding Minnesota, any anything else? Any other tidbits you want to throw in there?
1: You know, besides Minnesota and them, I could possibly see. I mean, I think one of the realistic options are either the Knicks or, uh, or the Spurs. That's what I'm thinking. You know, because um, the Knicks, they need talent. You know, I don't think, besides Melo and Poringa, they don't really have anybody. I know they drafted uh, a young point guard, uh Frank Negatina, Nicotina, uh, so I know they're pretty high on him. Uh, so I don't know, um, maybe they bring Kyrie in to to sort of uh, to run the team and also to train him, but is Kyrie willing to do that? Another thing is if Kyrie goes to them, I still don't see them even. Uh, uh, in the East is not as strong as the West, you know, but I still don't see him. I still don't see them being um, beating either uh, the Celtics or the Cavs, you know, with Kyrie. You know, if he goes to uh, San Antonio, per se, which I believe uh, is, uh, is probably the best option for him, you know, he's automatically, he puts the team, um, they're not going to be on the Golden State level, but they'll be somewhat closer. You know, I mean, yes, you have to give up. LaMarcus Aldridge, but I don't think Aldridge is a good fit in the Spurs system. But then again, you have to look at uh, Kyrie. Is he going to be a good fit himself too, you know? I mean, the guy he has to learn to play uh, unselfish ball in that system and he has to he has to play defense, which is something which uh, are, I think, <laughs> something which I don't think he really likes to do. So, I mean, besides those two, dude, uh, I don't know um, maybe anybody else that would be interested or it would be a good fit for him.
0: Okay, let's let's talk some more about the Knicks. I mean, kind of like, let's go over kind of the, the positives of going to New York, obviously. He grew up in North Jersey. He's going to his hometown. Uh, he, he gets to play alongside Chris Taps Porzingis, who's a up-and-coming phenom in the league. Uh, stretch four, stretch five type player. Perfect big man for today's game. Uh, let's see the negatives of playing in New York. Obviously, biggest media market in the in the country. The media there has known to be, been known to be tough. Uh what let's see what else? I mean bad, terrible front office, terrible ownership. <laughs> oh, there you go, so, dude. Yeah. I mean <laughs> and then you look at a team that even with Kyrie Chris Stapps as their building blocks, probably at best at fifth place. Somewhere between 5th and 10th place, would you agree, in the Eastern Conference, even though the Eastern Conference is probably a lot weaker at this moment than the Western Conference? So,
1: exactly.
0: I mean, how, how bad do you really want to be the man, Kyrie? I mean, to go to New York, bad front office, bad ownership, uh, playing in your hometown, but uh, uh, getting ripped by the media, and then uh, finishing somewhere between 5th and 10th in the East, I mean, is that what you want? uh and then i mean let's go to the spurs obviously san antonio one of the best probably if not the best run organization in the nba i call them the patriots of the nba and then obviously a great great coach great front office with rc buford great ownership group peter holt team type system one of the best cultures in the nba the negatives to the trade not happening probably is San Antonio probably doesn't have as much at of the assets or the young players that Cleveland would like in return as some of the other teams that are uh, rumored to be trading for Kyrie or possibly trading for Kyrie. And then if you think, uh, I mean, Kyrie playing with LeBron is bad as a teammate, I mean, how, how are you going to handle uh, Greg Popovich yelling at your ass in every, every team huddle when you, don't, when you miss a defensive assignment or uh, dribble, dribble, dribble and get, be stagnant on the offensive side? So uh, what are your thoughts on that uh, with Popovich and Irving, the dynamic between both of them if he goes to San Antonio?
1: You know, uh, with, uh, with Pop, dude, you're gonna, he's going uh, to pull you aside. He doesn't care who you are. He doesn't care if you're the alpha player, if you're, if you're the, um, the superstar, if you're the league MVP. He doesn't care. He's going to give it to you if you screw up. You know, and I think that's if Harry ends up going there, you know, he's he's definitely going to get it from uh, from Pop because that system is is run very what's the word? It's a very um, it's a a legit system. You know, I mean, you you come in there and you have to be part of that team, you know? It,
0: it's basically, you have to adapt to the system. The system's not going to adapt to you.
1: They say, exactly, exactly. That's the word I was looking for.
0: Or they'll get rid of you like they probably will with LaMarcus Aldridge, who has not really fit in as well as people thought he would.
1: Exactly. There you go. You know, that's uh, that's the issue there. But is Kyrie willing to put in uh, the work? Is he willing to, like... Uh, make a change, you know, if he really wants to be successful, if he really wants to, to to do things on his own and get that shadow of LeBron off his back, that's what he has to sacrifice, you know, I mean, he's not going to go um, at this point I don't think uh, Cleveland is going to trade him to, um, to some other team uh, I don't know, some other team that might not give up that many assets you know, whatever team that gives up a good amount, which I think which I think Cleveland is asking a little too much for for Kyrie uh, for what they want I mean they're they're obviously going to ask high, but uh, I don't think they're going to get as much as they want in return but um, I think what if he gets traded, i mean there's always a chance uh Cleveland might hold on to him and and maybe look at him again as a trade deadline you know the huh, that's not a possibility but with um if I was Kyrie, dude, I, I would be like, you know what, let me uh, let me look at my options, you know, let me try to, like, change my game around, my image around. You know, because right now, it's not. I don't think, uh, I think it's sort of going negatively towards him. You know, there's, uh, like, reports where he's not even answering the Cavs' um, call. Ownership's calling him, but he's not answering his phone. You know, whether that's true or not, uh, who knows? Uh, who knows? But it's like with that kind of attitude, dude. Uh, I don't. I don't think. Um, I don't think uh, any team is going to like that. It doesn't matter what ownership it is,
0: you know. Uh, definitely, huh? Those are all great points. I mean, some other teams that are rumored to kind of be giving uh, the Cavs a trade offer or interested in giving them an offer. The Clippers. I mean, I think we can rule that out. I don't think. I don't think he's going there at all then uh then we have phoenix and miami so let's let's take a look at miami obviously <laughs> another great culture in the nba excellent ownership group excellent front office excellent coach they play hard disciplined defense and offensively every every time they go out then uh if he goes there i think he's going to be the best player definitely for sure and they they'd probably be somewhere between 4 and 7 in the East, in my opinion. So, I mean, that's an option. But, I mean, does Cleveland really want to send him to Miami for Goran Dragic, Justice Winslow, and, like, a draft pick? I mean, that's really the ultimate question so. when it comes to Miami. Yeah. You don't think so? I don't think Cleveland, I don't think Cleveland will, will want to send him there. Because,
1: honestly, they're not getting much in return. I mean, Goran Dragic is good, but then Justice Winslow really hasn't proven... Uh, in my eyes, he hasn't proven... What's his, like, his fourth year in the league or something?
0: Uh, I mean, this Here? is, is going to be his third, but he, he missed a lot of time last season, so... It's...
1: Okay, that's true, okay. So, I mean, he hasn't proven, uh, I mean, in my eyes, I, I don't... He hasn't proven to be, like, a superstar player just yet. I mean, he's a good player, but I, I don't see, like, a superstar status in him just yet. I mean, um, is Cleveland willing to do that and also send him to a conference rival? that's another issue too you know yeah. i mean um that could be on um ownership's mind brady gilbert's mind you know in yeah. uh in cleveland
0: that's de- that's could an excellent be point to- because that's why that's why boston's pretty much ruled out even though they have so many assets and that's why miami ultimately yeah. could be ruled out because they're a conference rival and they're probably going to be uh facing off against cleveland at some point in the playoffs so those, those, exactly. that's a really excellent point
1: Exactly. I don't think they're going to send him to the East Coast. Maybe um, maybe I think it's going to be West Coast. And I, I can see my two teams in the West Coast. I mean, my two teams I think he's going to be sent to are the Wolves or the Spurs. That's what I'm thinking. I don't think it's going to be East Coast because I think uh, hopefully Brad Gilbert's not that, uh, not that stupid. Maybe he is. <laughs> you know what I mean? To send him to an East Coast rival where he's going to see him like at least four or five times possibly a season. So it's like, uh, do, you really, do you really want to do that? You know, or do you want to send him to the West Coast where you wouldn't see him that often at all?
0: Yeah, definitely. And then, I mean, kind of, I think this, like you said, I mean, the West Coast teams, I mean, obviously have the best offers for Cleveland. And I think I think Phoenix, I think, has the best, uh, could give the best uh, offer, I think, in my opinion. And then probably after that, Minnesota, then San Antonio. Minnesota would probably center a package around Andrew Wiggins, who was actually drafted by Cleveland number one in 2014, then dealt for Kevin Love. <laughs> <laughs> that would be pretty funny. And then San Antonio would obviously center the package, like you mentioned earlier, around LaMarcus Aldridge, DeJounte Murray, and a draft pick. So, I mean, going there, I mean, another thing, important thing to keep in mind here, Kyrie has a no, does not have a no-trade clause, so... The, the Cavaliers can trade him wherever the hell they feel like it. I mean, so exactly, exactly. so if you're the Cavaliers, you want to send him to Phoenix, which is the worst team out of all these all these teams trying to offer you a package, right? And exactly. in my opinion, I think it's the best return you can get as well. I mean, a package centered around Eric Bledsoe, a draft pick, first-round draft pick, and Josh Jackson would be great. But from what I hear... James Jones, uh, LeBron's teammate for the last seven seasons, who is n- is now the vice president of basketball operations for Phoenix, and LeBron has quietly been talking to James Jones about if if Josh Jackson is available. And from what I hear, James Jones says that Josh Jackson is basically untouchable, like like Devin Booker is untouchable as well for Phoenix. So we'll see. I mean, no, I
1: don't think they're going exactly. I don't think Phoenix would even uh, think of trading Josh Jackson. It's because, dude, if, he, if, if you look at it this way, it, 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 this is the way I see it. Even if they trade him, let's say they hypothetically trade him to Phoenix for um, uh, Eric Bledsoe, Josh Jackson, and, and maybe a pick or two. Okay? If they do trade him, yeah. uh, it, Kyrie going to Phoenix, they're still not going to do anything in the, in the West. It's not going to make him much better. I mean, it might make him maybe instead of being like maybe uh, instead of being like maybe uh, maybe number eight seed or or so, they could be seven seed. You know that. So why would you still?
0: I, I think they're at the bottom of the Western Conference currently, probably like fourteenth or 15th. Actually,
1: actually, yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right.
0: But I mean, with Kyrie, they might What's fight it? for a playoff spot. But I mean. A positive for Kyrie going there, I mean, you, you pretty much set up your backcourt with Kyrie and Devin Booker for the next, like, six, seven seasons. That's the, the main it? positive. But like you said, I mean, you're not going to compete in the near the near imminent future.
1: You're not going to compete in, in the near future. And you're taking the risk of Kyrie bolting in two years. While you're giving up with Josh Jackson, you don't know where he's going to be. You don't know what his full potential is. You know, And you're a young team, Phoenix. You know, I know they have. Uh, they're primarily a young team. They have some few veterans on the team, but it's primarily a young team. And you're built for the future. You're not built for now.
0: Yeah, I mean, they're definitely a young team. Well, and I mean, their ownership group, their GMs are are not very very good as well. For the past like six, seven seasons, they've been very terrible and kind of dysfunctional. So that's that's another kind of dumpster fire for Kyrie if he goes there, and. Other than the weather, I mean there's not really much else that's good in Phoenix, right? But
1: Well unless he wants to uh, well Phoenix is Phoenix uh, Phoenix weather's good, but except for those, uh, those three months of the year. But those three months which are going on now it's extremely hot. Yeah
0: extremely yeah.
1: hot, dude. <laughs> like my brother's out there, dude. It's those three months are these three months of the year are the worst months. It yeah. gets to like it gets up to one
0: fifteen.
1: Oh yeah, it gets to like uh, it gets to like uh, one fifteen, one fourteen every day, and then at nighttime, bro, it's like even at you're talking about like one a.m. nighttime, is still like in the in the mid nineties, like ninety five, ninety six. Okay. You know, and this is and this goes on for like three straight months.
0: Wow! Wow! Yeah, but I mean, in the summer, Kyrie's probably going to be in L.A. anyway, so I mean, that doesn't really exactly. affect That's him much. True. But, I mean, yeah, that's an interesting uh, thing to know, I mean, for people who want to move to Phoenix, possibly. But, I mean, with that being said, uh, I mean, kind of another thing that's not really being mentioned about this Kyrie thing. I mean, if he wants to be the guy, I mean, he could just wait out another season and then wait for LeBron to leave. And he's the guy next season in Cleveland with more experience under his belt. I mean, if he stays with Cleveland, they're probably going to go to another finals again. And he has another shot at a title. And then LeBron leaves most likely, as, he, as Kyrie probably assumes, or he wouldn't be making these demands. And then, there you go, Kyrie, you're the man of the Cavs. So, I mean, that's really an important thing to look at. That's true.
1: But, but the thing is, uh, I don't know if it's just with LeBron. I think, it's, uh, I think, I think he also has issues with, uh, with Cavs management. That's what I'm thinking. I mean, who knows uh, if if that's true or not? But uh, I think it's more than just LeBron. So I think he, um, I mean, the Cavs have have all the um, all the cards here, bro. I mean, they can trade him to anywhere he wants. They don't they don't have to trade him at all either. Yeah, they have all the cards here. So so we got to see what happens. It's going to be interesting, you know, what happens with this guy. You know, is he going to stay? Is he going to go? So I mean. Uh, I think it's like in. I think he needs to. Um, I think you're right. I think he needs to like. Best option is uh, to shut up. You know, play one more season and see where LeBron ends up going. If he leaves, then then you have the opportunity that you stay with the with the Cats or you bowl too, or you ask for a trade. You know, it's your it's your thing. But um, it, it'll be interesting to see what what happens with this guy. You know.
0: Okay, I yeah, definitely and then uh so ultimately with this Kyrie thing uh I think we've hit it from all all the angles. I mean, put out all the angles. So, wh- where do you think he ends up? You think he stays in Cleveland or goes somewhere else?
1: I think he uh I think he gets moved. But I think um right now, I think he gets moved uh but if this sort of drags on in the next couple of weeks, I think he ends up staying Okay, I, I see. If he doesn't get moved in the next couple of weeks, I think the Caps is say, you know what? Um we don't like anything we see right now. We want to just play as it as it is and we'll go from here. You know, and I, I think he ends up um, the Caps end up keeping him for at least one more season. Okay,
0: definitely. I, I think I, I think ultimately before the season starts, I think he's gonna get Delta Phoenix. And mm-hmm. I think Cleveland's gonna get back Eric Bledsoe a first round pick and someone else. I mean, I don't know who, who that third player will be, but I just think that's going to happen. Eric Bledsoe, I think is good friends with LeBron. Eric Bledsoe is not as good of a offensive skilled player as Kyrie is, but he really does focus in and hone in on the defensive end. He's good there. He's athletic. And some people actually call him a mini LeBron. So we'll see how that goes. If, if he ultimately does end up in Cleveland. But with that being said, I think we've touched uh, all the, all the buttons on the Kyrie, uh, the Kyrie and so we're going to another one of uh LeBron's friends uh Carmelo Anthony uh still uh looking for a team and uh a lot of rumors a swirl a lot of swirls out there of where he's going to be ultimately be dealt to uh Houston's been mentioned, Oklahoma City, Portland even. So where are we at on Carmelo in your mind Akshay? and what what do you think ultimately happens?
1: You know, Carmelo, bro. I'm not too sure. I don't really follow him that often. I mean, I, I read about it, but I think he ends up. I think he ends up being traded, and I think he he goes to. Uh, I think he. Uh, I think Knicks have two options. You you either send him to Cleveland, you know, for maybe a, a package of uh, Irving and, and some other things. So who knows? Or, or I think he ends up. He ends up going to, to OKC. Did I know? Uh, I read somewhere something like OK his his old coach is, at, is now at OKC or, or something like that. Or, is this, or there's a coach or someone in management. Uh, I don't remember, but I can definitely see him um, being traded to OKC for some sort of package.
0: Okay, definitely. Yeah, I mean, I don't know about the uh, the Cleveland thing. I mean, I, I don't know if Cleveland is gonna deal uh, Kevin Love for. Carmelo or even Kyrie for that matter. So I mean the only thing I the only way I see him going to Cleveland is probably through a buyout and I don't know if the Knicks are actually going to do that. Yeah. So but I mean I think ultimately I mean he's good friends with Chris Paul. I think he's probably going to end up in Houston somehow. I don't know what what the package is going to be, but I think it's going to be centered around uh, Ryan Anderson, maybe a few other a few other pieces like a Trevor Ariza, or Eric Gordon, something like that. But I think Houston, cool. Houston is uh, where I think he's ultimately going to end up. I mean, him alongside uh, James Harden and Chris Paul. And a lot of people have been saying, I mean, that's the Carmelo they've been waiting to see in the NBA, the one they saw in the 2008 Olympics when he was alongside a bunch of other stars like Dwayne Wade, LeBron, Kobe, etc. And he really flourished in that type of atmosphere, that time of that type of team camaraderie. And a lot of people saying if he goes to the Rockets, he'll, they will see that type of Carmelo come back uh, for a full season in the NBA. So uh, what do you think, I mean, ultimately, if he lands in Houston, kind of the adjustment with uh, Harden, playing alongside Harden and Chris Paul, who are both excellent ball handlers, creators, playmakers?
1: Yeah, I think honestly, bro, I think he'll be a good option for him. You know, I think that system will fit him well but unfortunately it, um, I hate to come back to this but I mean I, I not come back to this but I hate to say this is more like it is uh, what do what does Houston have that the Knicks want you know and that's what I would see if I was a Knicks management. I'm like what does Houston have I mean they're not going to give us Chris Paul they're not going to give us James Harden um, they won't give us uh, probably Clint Capella what do they have you know that's my thing that I'm looking at, I don't know if they want an NA. I don't know if they want Ryan Anderson. You know, how how do those players make the Knicks better? You know, that's where I would look at, you know, if, if I was um, the owner of the Knicks. What does Houston have to offer me? You know, and that's what I think. I mean, they, yes, uh, I know uh, uh, Mello has been in New York and he's, uh, he's, um, he. He's put a lot for that franchise, but in the end, it's it's not... A, unfortunately, the game is not about the player. It's about uh, it's about um, the team and what best is for the team. But, I mean, let's say he works uh, hypothetically traded there. That's an awesome team. You know, you have uh, Carmelo, you have Paul, you have Harden. You know, that's a very dynamic team. And I think he, he can flourish, like you mentioned, in the Olympics. I think they'll be a great... Uh, a great option for it, you know, but, but I keep that coming to my mind is, what do they have that the Knicks want? You know, that's the question that, um, I, uh, I can't seem to answer.
0: Okay, yeah, I mean, an, an important thing to keep in mind here, Carmelo does have a no trade clause, so, he can kind of, uh, choose kind of where he gets traded to, so he, 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 as opposed to Kyrie, he does have a no trade clause, so he can kind of, Choose where which direction the trade will go, so that'll be interesting to see. But ultimately, I I just think he's going to end up in Houston somehow. And you think I mean probably Cleveland, or you think he stays in 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 New York at in Midtown Manhattan?
1: I think uh, right now, realistically, I think he stays in New York. That's my thinking. I mean, uh, obviously, um, obviously, you know, in in the next what couple of months, a lot of things can change, you know, and, uh, but I think right now the odds are in my opinion that he ends up staying in New York unless something miraculously happens, you know, maybe Cleveland brings in a third team, you know, in the deal to, uh, to get Mellow, which could possibly happen, you know, and a third team that might take up some, some bad contracts um, because they want to get to salary cap space for next year. So we know dude, uh, uh, that can definitely happen, but I think he most likely if, if I were to came to an answer right now, if I had to give an answer, I would say uh, he stays in New York.
0: All right. Fair enough. So uh, ultimately, I mean, everyone is really kind of uh, seeing what's going to happen with this Kyrie and Carmelo. These are kind of like the two big, uh, uh, puzzle pieces that are be waiting to be filled before the NBA season starts. So it'll be interesting to see what happens in the coming weeks and, uh, in the coming month of August. So, but with that being said, uh, we'll segue from LeBron James, the most polarizing figure in the NBA, to a guy who is today in 2017, just as polarizing as he was 23 years ago in his late 40s when he was on trial uh, for the double murders of his ex wife, Nicole Brown Simpson, and Ron Goldman. OJ Simpson. So, uh, OJ Simpson last Thursday was granted parole by the state of Nevada and is scheduled to be released as early as October 1st. So, uh, Akshay, I know, uh, you grew up in LA. So at the time of the trial, I mean, I think you were in high school or something. So kind of take me back to that time and kind of what your thoughts were and kind of what you really thought about the whole OJ situation at that time and how much you followed it, how much you looked into it, how much you kept up with it, stuff like that. So what are your thoughts on it overall? All right.
1: Okay. (laughs) My first impression is, I have to say is the juice is loose. (laughs) Okay. The juice is loose, my friend. The juice is loose. Okay. Okay. Uh, OJ, you know, I mean, I grew up watching the guy, dude. I was, uh, I've been a huge USC fan for for how many years now. I, I watched him play um, uh, football at the football games. Watched him play uh, in the NFL, you know, when he was with the Bills and so on. You know, I mean, I I always admired the guy. You know, I, I was shocked, quite honestly, when I heard about that whole trial about the whole uh, the whole with the killing of. Nicole Brown Simpson and the other guy, and get his name. You know, I mean, I was... Oh, you're right. I was in high school when this happened. You know, I remember watching the trial. I remember watching this, well, was sort of around the same time about the Rodney King beatings. You know, uh, life was different then. It was kind of like... Uh, it's changed, you know, like the whole society-wise. But uh, I grew up with that. I mean, at that time, it was it was different, dude. It was, it was a lot of... Uh, uh, Racial prejudice you know I mean but there still is now but there was a lot of racial prejudice with the police and especially the African American society you know at that time you know um, I was shocked when I heard about the killings you know I saw the the Bronco you know well on the freeway with Al um, the other guy Al I forget his name his friend who, who
0: Al cowlings oh,
1: Al Cowlings, there you go Al Cowling I, I watched it live on TV. You know when that was going on, I watched it how the police chased him. Even in high school, we, we were we were in school and they were still playing it live. Yeah,
0: that was during Game yeah. Five of the 1994 NBA Finals. They cut into yeah. the the chase. <laughs>
1: so. The chase was going on, you know. So it's like, dude, it's um, you know. I mean, uh, the guy was acquitted from the murder trial. You know, I mean, I've always believed personally. That he's that he's innocent, you know. That's my personal belief. From the, right from the start, I believed he was innocent. He was innocent of you the know, murder. Of a murder, yes.
0: Wow, I think you're one of the few to that, uh, people that I've met that, that believe that because I think he's 100 percent guilty of of the murder.
1: I mean, I think he's innocent. I mean, yes, there is a great possibility that he did kill him. He did kill them because he was a very. Uh, um, was a very, what do you call, uh, Nicole Simpson? he he was very controlling of her. He didn't like her around other guys and so on. But at the same time, people don't understand that uh, there were other factors as well. You know, I mean, the police at that time, they were very corrupt. Uh, They get that guy there and they could easily plant evidence. And a lot of people don't realize, too, at that time, uh, Nicole Kidman owed the Colombian mafia uh, uh, quite a few, I mean, quite an amount of money. You know, so this could have easily been a mafia hit at that time. You know, so there's. I don't think he's innocent. I mean, I I, I don't think he's guilty because of the fact that I think the evidence, you know, was. Um, I think there was a lot of um, evidence that that didn't fit the bill. You know, yeah, you can say like with the glove and how he how he did it on trial and so on. You know, how it didn't fit and all because the glove could have been whatever, it could have shrank or whatever possibility it is, you know. But that, was my, but that was my honest belief, you know. But then now with his whole conviction of the guy when he, when he uh, pretty much hacked his, his stock from that guy who had it and, she, and had a gun in his face and then he got hit with that and he spent his time in jail, you know. The guy did his time, you know, it's, and he was granted parole. I mean, he was granted parole. You know are the parole there the parole board is there for a reason right I mean um, they do have to do their job and they granted him the guy is what seventy one years old now he spent a good amount of his time in in jail so I think the the guy's out you know and you, you have to respect that you have to respect the, the criminal um, the criminal law you know how the courts work you know I mean it's uh I mean, you want to compare a whole lot of stuff, dude. I mean, you want to compare like a whole lot of stuff where it's sort it's of, I guess, it's sort of like a catch twenty two or whatnot. Because maybe people say sports athletes get a lot of uh, um, to get away with a lot of stuff. You know, if you have fame, if you have money, you can get away. Which I think is, which is, which I think is uh, is true. You know, to a certain extent. With is this what happened with OJ? Who's his... Who knows? Maybe, you know, I mean, look at the recent what happened with Venus Williams. You know, she, uh, she hit some guy in a car accident the guy died. You know, I mean, then now they're saying it's not her fault when they were saying it's her fault. So obviously you know something's happening in the background. You know, that the normal public, like you and I, are not going to know. You know, whether they're, they're paying off the family, who knows? You know, I mean, when Kobe, um, when Kobe raped that girl in, uh, in New York, I mean, in Colorado, we all, know, we all know he did it. You know, everybody who has...
0: Do do the Laker fans know that? The, do the Kobe Stanis know
1: that? Oh, no, they don't. No, they don't. They don't. That's, that's the problem. Laker fans still believe he didn't do it. But everybody in there, everybody who has a right mind knows that he did it. You know, and what happened with that? You know, he got off because he ended up paying her off. As most of these um, players, uh, these high-profile players, who have money, end up doing, you know. So in this case, that very well could have been the case with uh, with OJ. You know, his his attorneys could have paid him off. You know, but the thing is, I don't know. I mean, at that time, I think the evidence that came out was uh, was not enough to uh, to convict him. And he, it's not like as if like. Um, the jury didn't deliberate it. They deliberated it. You know, and they determined he was not guilty. Okay. You know, and it, it, sometimes it's like, I understand it's not the easiest thing to, to say to the court, you know, because there are times where even I have issues with courts, you know, with like, um, I have issues with court, but it's it, 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 uh, it, it's hard to like, um, I guess it's hard to interpret, but I think you have to go with what, what the
0: final call was you know okay I see definitely Uh, let's kind of like circle back on this and I'm going to kind of give my input on kind of uh, how I first got into this OJ stuff so basically during the murder when the murders took place I was six years old and when the trial took when the trial ended I was seven and a half when the final verdict was read when he was uh, acquitted of the murders so me uh, being born and raised in LA, that was a kind of a thing that I was kind of sheltered out of. I was too young at the time. I was in elementary school. So I don't really remember any of it real time when it happened. So when I I first kind of got really hooked on this OJ stuff, early 2016, when they had the series on FX, People versus OJ Simpson, they had the 30 yeah. for 30 on ESPN for the, for the Bronco chase. And they had a five part series last year, oj made in america so that's kind of the time frame where i really got hooked on this oj stuff and i really got interested and really wanted to take a look at it because it was kind of like to me a part of my childhood a part of the where i grew up in la where i was born and raised kind of something i missed and something i really wanted to kind of experience and kind of know the whole deal or kind of know as much as i i could possibly know so that's really how i got hooked on it and most recently, to my in my most recent visit to L.A., I'm all like, I have to go visit O.J.'s Rockingham Estate. I have to go see the condo where the murders took place. So I ended up doing that uh, on my most recent visit to L.A. And it's funny, where O.J.'s uh, house was in Brentwood, the Rockingham Estate, there is no longer a 360 North Rockingham. And O.J.'s old house, old estate over there, now consists of two houses. Oh, wow. So, and then the same thing kind of goes with uh, Nicole Brown Simpson's condo on Bundy Drive and Dorothy. There is no longer an 875 South Bundy Drive, and it's completely been taken out of uh, the mailbooks uh, in West L.A. So it was kind of just interesting to s- drive through that alley where – everyone says OJ pretty much parked and that's where he escaped after committing the murders or allegedly. So it's kind of interesting driving through the alley, driving through the front of the condo where the obviously where the bodies were found of Nicole Brown Simpson and Ron Goldman. So kind of getting into that, I mean, let me just state my opinion. I think he's 100 percent guilty based on all the physical evidence I've seen and I believe it's a colossal royal fuck up by the Los Angeles County District Attorney's Office to lose that cat, to lose that type of case, and Marsha Clark and <laughs> I think Chris Darden was his name. The- yeah, yeah. Okay, so I mean they royally just screwed this up in so many ways. I mean Chris Darden obviously with the the glove experiment that he wanted to play. I mean he just basically played into the prosecution's what they wanted, what they wanted to do, and then Marsha Clark, I mean, opened up a whole whole bag of worms, uh, putting Mark Furman on the stand, who was one of the most racist cops in the LAPD force, so, I mean, just a lot of, (laughs) a lot of fuck-ups on the prosecution's part, and then adversely on the, the defense part, I mean, led by, first, Robert Shapiro, and Robert Shapiro, I mean, First, I mean, kind of being an egotistical, big shot type lawyer, I mean, thought he could take it on by himself and defend OJ. But ultimately, after he was presented the physical evidence and everything, he knew it was so overwhelming that he basically had to play another angle. And bring in Johnny Cochran, who was a basically a civil rights type lawyer. I mean, all about defending the African-American community. And they basically played the race card. And that was basically the best thing they could do. And you got to, I mean, commend OJ as well. Because he hired every big shot lawyer <laughs> in the country you can think of. Alan Dershowitz, Barry Sheck. I mean, Johnny Cochran, Robert Shapiro, F. Lee Bailey all of uh exactly. Johnny Johnny Cochran's assistants Carl Douglas Angel Parker so i mean a lot of i mean hot big hotshot lawyers i mean on oj's side which really i mean <laughs> which really played a, a big part in oj getting acquitted So kind of i mean we could go back to some of those moments i mean the uh, kind of like the irony that i kind of see in this i mean and kind of watching some of these documentaries on O.J. and all this stuff that's going around. It seemed like a racial thing when the when the verdict was read in one of the documentaries I watched. I mean, white people huddle around all each other. And then black people huddle around in churches. I mean, basically cheering for a guy, O.J. Simpson, who never really has done anything major for the black community, African-American community, is not very into kind of the whole civil rights movement and who kind of at that time, I mean, was living in Brentwood in West Los Angeles and basically his hobbies were golfing at the country Brentwood Country Club and who kind of a, a guy who had kind of been kind of uh, adjusted to white society. So it's kind of ironic that the black community was starving so much for all the racial injustice that they felt that they were supporting a guy that was more, like, whitewashed, in my opinion, than was kind of real, like, kind of the prototypical black African-American athlete, like, compared to a guy like Jim Brown. So kind of want to get your thoughts on that. So, of how, like, I mean, black people kind of got their justice at that point with OJ's, OJ's acquittal, but did they really get their justice? Because, I mean, to me, he doesn't really strike me as a guy at that point in his life who was kind of, like, pro-a- pro-African-American pro for the community, civil rights, stuff like that.
1: No, no, no. You're, you're 100% right, bro. He's, he's not. You know, he's not the prototypical African-American. He, he's far from it. You know, once he... Because he, he was living in Bel Air, dude. I mean, he, he's living in one of the most expensive areas, West LA. You know, he's living in a huge house, He's, he has this, he, he has a sort of lifestyle. That's not very typical of the African American society, that kind of lifestyle, you know. It, it, it's something that he doesn't represent it. He can't represent it. And I think that uh, African society, I mean, you're right, you know, and, you know, they, they were behind him, even though the fact that he doesn't really support them, you know. But that's supposed to say in, uh, I don't know, I guess that's supposed to say in, uh, um, that goes to say with uh um that goes to say with uh with any society right you know i mean like hey, whether you're Asian, you're indian you're whatever dude you know you are always in the end you're gonna try to like uh even though you're uh your uh what do you call it, with your uh with your friends and so on you're gonna try to like stick together even though they may not uh view you in the same manner you view them you know so I think that's what sort of played out, you know. I mean, uh, I think yeah, you're right. Yeah, I think the prosecution screwed up in a way in the way they presented a lot of the of the stuff against him, you know. With the you're right, with the whole glove thing backfired. Mark foreman backfired. You know, I think they should have uh, uh, planned it out a lot better. You know, what than what they did. You know, I think that I think that that also helped to him being acquitted by the jury. So, I mean, uh, it's hard to say, you know, it's hard to say um, with OJ, I mean, like, why the black community uh, um, was supporting him, even though he didn't support them. But I think it also, I think it fundamentally comes down to uh, how when they were introduced about the racist cop and so on, by Furman was brought to the case, I and mean, he's proven to be racist. I think the black society sort of uh, rallied around that. Because, uh, I mean, we all know. I mean, um, we all, people of color, of color all know what some, what some sort of racism is. You know, we've all felt it. You know, and we, and we felt it in some ways by, by police themselves as well, you know. So I think that's what sort of everybody sort of rallied around.
0: Okay, I definitely. I, so let me just present you some facts here about the case, Akshay. And just tell me what you think. Okay, so I mean, you have a a murder suspect who, who basically has all this overwhelming physical evidence against him, and in in numbers terms, I mean, a one in one hundred seventy million chance that the DNA is not OJ Simpson's, and <laughs> he gets acquitted of murder. I mean. What? I mean, you got to think. I mean, this case goes to trial a thousand times. You got to think, nine hundred ninety-nine times out of a thousand, this guy's going to be charged oh, right. for murder, right? I mean, ha- this he- is like the, one of the craziest things I've ever seen.
1: <laughs> you know? No, I I totally agree. I think he would be, he would be considered guilty nine out of let's say nine out of ten times. You know, ninety percent would be guilty. But then again, you know, all this evidence with DNA and you know, all that, it could be wrong, too. You know, there's not, there's not, it's not always 100% correct. You know, we've seen so many cases, dude, we've seen so many cases, I can't name them, unfortunately, everything, but we've seen so many cases where so many innocent people have been put in jail for for years, you know, for years for something they didn't even do and and, and finally they're acquitted of it. You know they're finally acquitted when they looked at the case much closer. You know with this case it could be the opposite with uh, with OJ. You know maybe they didn't. Um, in this case the uh, maybe they looked at um, the prosecution looked at the evidence in the wrong way. You know which which uh, which the jury didn't see that it was much of uh, a uh, it was much of a guilty thing towards them. You know what I mean. I mean, towards OJ to prove him to be guilty. You know, I mean, uh, um, it, it, it's hard to say, bro. I mean, it's hard to say what happened in their minds. You know, what happened in their minds. I mean, we can, um, I mean, we can express our opinions on it, but it, it's it, it's hard to say. You know, and I think we'll never know the answer to that.
0: Yeah, definitely, and, and going back to kind of the physical evidence, another thing that uh, that really looks bad on the prosecution and the LAPD's part. I mean, it's how they collected the evidence that kind of ultimately kind of being, ended up being their, uh, their, their, uh, fall doing and stuff like that. So in collecting the evidence, I mean, it really raised a lot of questions that the defense brought up. And then Barry Sheck, uh, really just, I mean, tore the criminalist, criminalists that they called to stand and called to, at the trial He just tore him to shreds, I mean, and completely (laughs) ruled out his testimony to the point where the criminalist, Tang Fung, it was his name, I believe, and then to the point where he was, after he gave his testimony, was shaking every defense attorney's hand. Johnny Cochran, uh, F. Lee Bailey, Robert Shapiro, (laughs) Carl Douglas, Barry Sheck, Alan Dershowitz, and even shaking OJ's hand, I mean... (laughs) Where, where does that happen in a courtroom? I mean, I mean, it was almost kind of like a mix. It was almost kind of like you can't even script that in a movie, Akshay. That's how. <laughs> that's how crazy it was. I mean, that basically it was an open and shut case with the physical evidence, but how good these lawyers were to turn it to flip the narrative to the race argument and kind of question the DNA collection by the LAPD. <laughs> And kind of questioned their tactics of race and evidence collection to kind of ultimately acquit OJ of a murder where he was one in one hundred seventy million chance of not of it not being him. That's got to be one of the craziest stories I've ever seen in my life. It is, it is. <laughs> It's gonna be one of the craziest stories in in history.
1: In history, bro. I mean, people born now or people born the next. 15 years, I got to read about it and say, "Wow, this actually happened." You know, I mean, it, it, it's going to go down as one of the um, one of the greatest, uh, one of the greatest stories ever. You know, one of the greatest events ever. You know, we'll, and I don't think we'll know the truth. You know, whether he's guilty, whether he's innocent. I don't think we'll ever know that truth. I don't huh. think, yeah I don't think we'll ever know. I think the only person who knows is o j and
0: uh that's pretty much it you know? <laughs> okay definitely and uh, I mean kind of getting into some more stuff along the line obviously o j thirteen years uh after that was convicted to a sentence of thirty three years for basically breaking into a hotel room with a bunch of his his friends and trying to steal back some of his memorabilia or allegedly some of his memorabilia that he thought was at the hotel. So he got convicted 33 years for that. Uh, for basically, for most other, most other people, that would have been a maximum sentence of somewhere between 10 and 15. So what are your thoughts on that sentence in 2007? No, the crime was committed, excuse me, in 2007. He was sentenced th- in 2008, 13 years exactly to the date he was acquitted of the double murders in 1995. So your your thoughts?
1: My thought on that bro is you know I mean yes he he was guilty uh for breaking in and doing all that but dude I think he was um he was the 33 years was a little too much and I think that uh that was sort of also punishment for him getting acquitted Oh I mean definitely so, no, uh, oh,
0: no no doubt about that I mean I don't think anybody will really admit that but I mean it's I think, it's oh, definitely what have you ever seen moment, a robbery suspect being sentenced to 33 years, a maximum of 33 years.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I, I think the Goldmans, who are not that great of a people themselves, uh, I don't say I don't really see them as great people. I think they have something to do with the uh, the sentence, whether they paid off or who knows what happened. You know, I, that's my belief. And but I think that the yeah, the third was way too much. But in a way, dude, I I felt bad for him, dude. He was just that's his shit. You know, that's shit. That was his stuff that he earned, his husband's. You know, he was trying to get it back. I mean, yes, it was his bad to hire these people and and have the gun pointed out there and do things like that. That got him this, that got him arrested for this. But it's like, dude, if someone steals my shit or takes my stuff with them, but without my, without me allowing it, I'm gonna be pretty pissed off myself too.
0: Yeah, I mean, definitely, those are great points. I mean. Obviously, that's his stuff. He's entitled to it. He should have went out about it a different way. I mean, when you're OJ, you can't really go about it like stuff like that. I mean, the ironic thing is, I mean, he was he was the one that probably did the least in that that whole thing. All of his guys were doing the stuff. He was the mastermind definitely planning it. But ultimately, all those guys turned against him, testified against him. They all got off clean, and O.J. got sentenced to 33 years and ultimately served almost nine, nine years for, for that, which is a funny, ironic thing.
1: Yeah, um, oh, I'm sure, bro, because they were given a plea deal. You know, go against O.J., and we'll get you off because we want him in jail, you know, because they want him to be in jail for, for the murders because he, he got acquitted. That was the whole reason behind it, yeah. in my belief, you know. And I think there was certain people, powers-to-be behind the scenes, like maybe the Goldens and other people, even um, um, uh, uh, the prosecution against, a, uh, against OJ, who were also part of it, too, behind the scenes, pushing for this. You know, and they put, and they pressed the right buttons with the right people, and that's why he got the 33-year sentence. While well, all of the other people, who did pretty much everything, got away... Um,
0: squeaky clean, you know? Okay, yeah, definitely. So let's get to kind of the heart of the, the topic we, right. of why we're talking about OJ. I mean, obviously he was paroled last Thursday, July 20th. Uh, Nevada Parole Board voted for, all four voted yes for him to be paroled. He's going to be released as early as October 1st. Basically, he still owes $33.5 million to the Goldman Brown family through the civil lawsuit uh that he lost in 1997 but basically a lot of uh, kind of uh, hurdles exist there for the goldman's basically OJ receives a pension from the NFL and it's rumored that he's received about $600,000 from the time that he's he's been in jail he's earned that much through his pension and it's rumored that once he gets out of jail uh, starting as early as October 1st the pension could be $25,000 a month and that pension is protected by state law. Basically, in legal terms, it is bulletproof. It cannot be touched by the Goldmans. They cannot, they cannot touch that at all. They cannot get anything of that.
1: Oh, wow.
0: So, and then another thing, basically why he moved to Florida in the first place and back in the late 90s, and w- he will ultimately move to Florida according to multiple sources inside OJ's camp, after he's released is because in Florida exists a homestead exemption, whereas where he won't be forced to kind of sell his house to pay off the debt that he has on the civil lawsuit with the Goldman Brown family. So that's another angle that where the the Goldman Brown family, they can't do anything about it in legal terms. So it's, Correct. Correct. but in terms of when OJ gets out of prison, any money that he earns technically can go to the Goldman Brown family but I mean even given that I mean OJ is going to have his big shot lawyers and trying to invest uh, hide that money find all sorts of loopholes even if he does earn some type of money so with that being said (coughs) ultimately when OJ does get out what do you see with him moving forward the next phase of his life and how, do you see him kind of back in the spotlight like he was before going to jail? And what do you ultimately see when he gets out of prison?
1: Nah, I don't think he's going to back in the spotlight, bro. I think he's going to, I think if he's be smart and go to Florida, uh, keep it easy, live a nice life there. You know, live a, a nice uh, life, don't get too much out there, you know. Um, be sort of like um, in his own little zone. You know if he wants to go out and do things he can do like uh, like um, like interviews or speaking places or he wants to go speak at different events and so on I think that's pretty much what his life should be you know I don't think he needs to he needs to get back into the spotlight because if he's gonna do that that's just gonna chance to uh, negatively hurt his image even more he's is, is gonna be there waiting you know I think he needs to, he needs to uh, just move to Florida, find a nice, cozy spot, in, uh, and, uh, and, live the, and live the rest of his life there. Don't get involved too much in fanfare. Maybe do all things here and there. to keep his image up, and that's pretty much it, dude. I don't see much. Uh, I don't think he's going to get back into the whole fanfare thing a bit, you know?
0: Yeah, I mean, that's definitely what he should do. What he will do, uh, who, who knows what will happen when he gets out of prison. But ultimately, we know that he won't be at USC football games, as USC has pretty much banned him from anything USC-related. I mean, they don't want him on campus. They don't want him at football games. They don't want him at football practices. So uh, it'll be uh, really interesting to see what he does. I mean, and at his advanced age of 70, I mean, he kind of has some health problems, I think. So it would be better for him to kind of take it easy. And he has kind of mentioned to kind of one of his uh, inside people that his plans for when he's released is a lot of golf and eating sushi. So hopefully he keeps up, uh, he keeps to those plans and doesn't get too much in the spotlight and get back into the thick of things. Uh, kind of like the party lifestyle that he lived in Miami before he was sent to prison. So, exactly, bro. Yeah, definitely. We'll see what happens. And anything that re- ha- deals with OJ, I'm always hooked on and I always will be. I mean, it's just nice. a fascinating polarizing type story for me and I'm always, it's always something that's going to interest me. Uh, what about you?
1: It, it, it's always interesting, bro. You know, it, its it, I mean, I sort of uh, moved on from it from, um, from when it first happened uh, up until recently when uh, the whole thing happened. He got on parole. I got back into it. But now, you know, I'm just going to like, you know, it's, um, just have to like uh, sort of just see what happens, you know. I mean, it's not something that like I'm really interested in anymore. I mean, the guy did the guy what he did his time for his stuff and he's out now I mean he he got acquitted whether he's innocent or he's guilty we will never know that answer uh, I don't think I'll ever that answer will will ever come out in my lifetime so I don't think we'll ever know that so um, I think right now it's just like it is what it is you know I'm just gonna let it be something I mean for me if something happens then I'll I'll hear it in the news, but, uh, I don't, I don't think I have the interest to go, like, research and all that stuff for now, you know?
0: Okay. Yeah, definitely, uh, I definitely think he's guilty, like I mentioned before, of the, the double murders, but, uh, he was obviously acquitted of that in a court of law by a, a 12 men a 12-person jury, excuse me, and ultimately he served his time for the the burglary char- the burglary charge, the burglary sentence in 2007, 2008, and... He definitely deserved, in my opinion, to be paroled by the Nevada state, and uh, I wish him the best in the for the rest of his life. I mean, although I do think he's guilty of the double murders. So, with that being said, Akshay, uh, always a pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on.
1: Oh. Oh, thank you, bro, for having me. It's always a pleasure. You know, always a pleasure, bro, always.
0: And everybody, thank you so much for listening. Uh, I will be back. I mean, who knows when. I mean, depending on what happens with this Kyrie, Carmelo stuff, uh, it could be as early as two weeks or it could be as late as uh, a month uh, before we start football season for NFL over-unders. So uh, see you guys next time, hopefully. Thank you, guys.